It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. I want to apologize for the Zoom audio quality in this day and age of technology. The Zoom went haywire. I guess my recording settings were not quite uh, correct. So the Zoom audio is not the standard you're used to hearing on Locked on Thunder. That, of course, we write it uh, for the next episode. But for this episode, it does sound different than what you're used to hearing on Locked on Thunder. You are Locked on Thunder, your daily Oklahoma City Thunder podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Let's get it going on the Locked On Thunder Podcast, on the Locked On Podcast Network, your teams every day. I am your host, Rylan Styles. You can follow me on Twitter at Rylan underscore Styles. It's at R-Y-L-A-N underscore S-T-I-L-A-S. You can follow the show on Twitter at L-O-Thunderpod. Email the show, L-O-Thunderpod at gmail.com. Call into the show, 405-362-7128. On today's show, I'm joined by Richard Stamen of at Mavs Draft on Twitter, and now the new host of the Locked On NBA Draft Podcast. Richard, what is up, man? Not too much. I'm very excited. Uh, thank you for having me. And obviously, this is like the perfect fit of, uh, <laughs> of a crossover, having the Draft and Thunder podcast yeah, host. The NBA, Locked On NBA Draft, Locked On Thunder, Locked On Pelicans. We just need to have a, a group chat, a support chat of just Locked On <laughs> Draft. And you just feed us all the draft content because we're going to run the draft for, for, for years to come. But you know, the, the Locked NBA Draft podcast just revamped and restarted. What what can people expect from the Locked NBA Draft? Yeah, so we've uh, we got three different hosts. I think you're just going to find a lot of content on there surrounding just the whole draft, of course, and that's going to carry into the offseason. Even after the draft, you know, talk about some FIBA stuff, international guys, previous some of the 2022 draft. Uh, but as it gets closer, I think you're going to, like particularly for me, we're going to start at the top and then, you're going to see, I'm going to talk about guys that probably have no business being talked about, but I, I'm going to pretend that uh, I'm going to somehow convince myself that they're worth being drafted and whatnot. And I'll eventually get into some sleepers, uh, which is a dangerous and fun thing to do. <laughs> so I think that that's a great thing for Thunder fans, not only because of the amount of first round picks, but even the second round. I mean, the Thunder have a ton of second round picks uh, coming up in this draft, leading off with that Timberwolves pick if the, if the Warriors uh, pick does not convey for a first round pick. And then of course they have their own second round pick and they have other ones throughout like the Denver second round pick. I think that this is going to be a great podcast. I, I always think back to the Darius Basley draft where it felt like the entire uh, Thunder universe was looking around like, who's this Darius Basley cat? Like, like, I have no idea who this guy is. Well, if you listen to Locked on NBA draft, you will never have to wonder who a first round pick is ever again. And, and if you listen to the Mavs draft portion, never any pick in the NBA draft, you have to wonder who they are again. So it's a great resource for you, if you're a Thunder fan wanting to know more about what these picks can turn into. Richard, it's going to be awesome having you on the network. I've had you on the show before. You've been on Lockdown Mass before. It's great to finally have you as your own Lockdown Podcast, Lockdown NBA Draft Podcast. Go subscribe anywhere you get your podcast from. 
I want to start with just the Thunder team in general, though. Just from an outsider's perspective, from the outside looking in, where are you at with the Thunder this year? Yeah, they've been a fun team to watch. I would not have expected them, you know, three, four months ago to be having 14 wins entering uh, the end of the break. You know, I think they have like two games left before they hit the end of the first half. But they've been keeping up with a lot of teams, and uh, it's been very unexpected. I can't, again, cannot say I saw this coming. I do think uh, I do think they end up near the top of the lottery, but their player development has been incredible. You know, guys like Baisley have taken a jump. We'll talk about, I'm sure, some of these guys. But overall, I mean, just the Thunder system works, and they're never going to be bad enough where they're not competing in games and it really feels like they're going nowhere and they're just guys holding down the team until you get picks, but you see real progress of who can stick when the team gets these top picks and that the, the rebuild retool even is complete. Where are you at with the Thunder at the finish line? And we, we know the second half schedule. Now we know that the first half will end today and tomorrow against the Mavs and Spurs. And right now they're sitting, you know, eight, seventh on tankathon.com. And so they're really a game and a half out even of the Playoff, but also a game and a half out of the, the number four seed on tankathon.com to try to get that top overall pick. So the season can still go any direction. And this is kind of played out the way I thought it would in the preseason, saying that the Thunder would compete every single game. And that if you do that and you're not bottoming out completely and you're not getting blown out every single night, the ball can bounce your way, even if on paper it shouldn't bounce your way at times. But if you play hard and, and compete, then it will bounce your way more times than not if, if you are lucky the Thunder have gotten that bounce and they, they've gotten to that 14 and 20 record despite on paper, maybe not having that level of talent. I think that this season could still go either way. I think that this, this season doesn't really have a lean quite yet for, for the Thunder or for most teams. I mean, the Wizards are sitting at 13 and 19. They're at seven right now. They can still go either way with their season. Where are you at with the Thunder and how they're going to finish up? Yeah, I think they end up getting closer to the three to five pre-draft, uh, pre-lottery, excuse me, draft odds. I, I just, I think they will compete. I think that's not going to go away, but you will see a little bit as the season goes on. I think maybe they start expanding the rotation kind of, uh, not that they don't have more guys that can play and stuff that are already are not, but I do think that they end up in the three to five range. And, and so with this Thunder team, Shea has been the, the huge focal point of, of defensive game plans and of just watching it in general. With Shea, I think he's an all-star type player. I think that he still has a high ceiling because he has not had that continuity in his career. Where are you at with Shea and where are you at with his ceiling and if he's an all-star caliber player or not? Yeah, I think – so it's hard to judge this year. You know, I've, I've whiffed on SGA more than just about anybody else. I thought his pull-up jumping or lack thereof of pull-up jump shooting would hurt him a lot. When in reality, it really hasn't because he can get to the rim at ease. He's really shot the ball well. Uh, he can play both on and off balls. Just super valuable and obviously overall complete player plays defense too. I do think that something like this year is kind of his peak, but he sustains it and keeps this efficiency. Uh, I think he's a perennial borderline all-star at the very least. I don't know if he ever gets to you know 25, 5, and 5, but if he gets there, it's a lock for an all-star every single year. Um, I, I don't know if I see him as like a top 15 player ever, but he could easily be top 20. And, and with that, I mean, if you're starting a rebuild with a top 20 guy before you even make a selection in what should be a lottery type year or two here for Oklahoma city, that's a heck of a way to start out a rebuild. I think that that's kind of more of a launching pad than most teams get. 
Yeah, especially, I mean, the Thunder have how many picks going forward? Like, if you have him as your – he's not I, – I don't think he's really, like, a second option, right? Like, he's, he's not a – I don't know if I consider him a first option, like, the sole first option, but he's definitely not a second option. And if he had someone like Cade Cunningham, who is the absolute dream uh, in this draft class, he's the per- that's the perfect 1A, 1B to have a system built around. Where do you land with Lou Dort and his shooting ability? I mean, I know he's not going to be that 40% shooter that he was to start this season, which was just insane and was a ton of fun to watch. But can he be a 32, 33% guy like he is right now? Yeah, I I don't know where I stand on him. I don't think he really goes worse than 30%. doesn't really get above 32. Uh, you know, shooting is inflated this year. I think it's league average is up to like 37%. So, I think he's probably going to stay around the 30 to 32 range. I don't know if 32, whatever he's at now is sustainable, but the 32% is probably the high end uh, for me. But I don't think he's like Andre Roberson where he's out there shooting 25%. I think he shot better than 25% once in his career from three. So I don't think you have to worry about him being that much of a liability. It's just uh, he's not really going to be good (laughs) from three. And I think that the difference between Dort and and even Tabo and and also, of course, Andre is that – he can contribute offensively more than just his three-point shooting or his backdoor cuts. Like he, can, he can do a lot more than just spot-up shoot or cut. He, he can handle the ball a little bit. He can pass a little bit. He can put the ball on the deck whenever he gets the ball passed to him. He can do different things and get to the rim and finish at the rim that those guys just really didn't do in their career. Yeah, and even Tabo Cephalosha, like he was a good offensive player. I think he was probably the worst defender of the three, which if you're the worst defender of three elite defenders, you're probably still pretty good. <laughs> um, but Dort is just, you know, a little bit short on of Roberson on the defensive end. I, I do think Roberson was one of the most fun defenders who could not play a lick of offense uh, that I've ever seen play. So <laughs> I give you the option of Andre in his prime defensively or – you can have Dort right now and whatever his prime becomes, he's only 21 years old. He won't be 22 until April 19th, whatever Dort's prime becomes defensively, or would you take Andre's prime that you already know what it looks like? Where would you lean if you could just have one of them on a contending team? Are you saying as a whole or just on defense? You just get the player, but, but the deep, but the defense oh, itself too. Oh man. See, it's so easy to choose the unknown. And I feel like I'm going to choose that just because of how, you know, we know how Roberson played out, but man, that is the hardest question. I might, I think I'm going to go against my gut and say Andre Roberson. I mean, the, the year he got hurt was just devastating because that team was rocking and rolling one of the best teams uh, defensively. And he was as a wing getting some defensive player of the year talk. I mean, that, that is interesting to, to see a, a, a true guard wing combo getting in that conversation, not a Giannis type or a Rudy Gobert type. But but Andre was getting talk in that in that you know conversation of defensive player of the year, which rarely happens and just shows how great of a defender he was. I think that the upside is there for for Dort to become that kind of defender. Dort's one of the only players that their defensive highlights make worldwide Wob's Twitter account just straight up playing defense. Nothing, <laughs> no, no steal and jam. Nothing. Just just a defensive sequence gets on Twitter highlights. I think that that kind of gives me a lot of hope. And again, the offensive for the all-around portion of his game, I think that Dort can be that kind of defender. But if I had to pick today, we, you'd kind of have to go with the known quantity, I guess, in Andre. But Darius Basley, we have to come here because he has not had quite the season that 
you know, many people thought he could have. I, my, one of my bold predictions, and, and again, it's a bold prediction. It's supposed to be kind of out there. I thought he could be such a offensive talent that he'd be the second leading scorer points per game wise for this team. Obviously about 12 points per game and seven rebounds per game. I thought he'd be a double, a double, double machine. I still think when he's right, he can be that double, double type player as you see in multiple games this year where he's been able to achieve that. The efficiency is way worse than I ever thought it would be, but he had a very slow start and slowly those numbers are coming up. Somebody did have that 0 for 8 night a couple games ago. Has this season changed your opinion of Baisley at all? And what is your opinion of Baisley moving forward as only a 20-year-old? Yeah, so it hasn't changed my opinion at all because I was really high on him after uh, after his first year. I really don't understand how he didn't get more hype. You know, he was a great defender as a rookie, uh, especially for a rookie. He really just didn't let up. And, you know, he still has a lot of strength to add, which I think will push him from good defender to great defender. And then on top of that, you consider how his offense still has a lot of room to grow. I mean, not really much of a shooter yet. Um, I think adding strength will help him yet again on both ends, I think, as a finisher. And once he gets the efficiency up above 40%, his game will take another jump. So he has two more jumps, I think, to take. He has the volume first, and then he has the efficiency. And they may come as one uh, because, I mean, simply making more shots gets you more points. So I, I really love the upside as a two-way slasher kind of combo forward for Baisley, and I think it's a coveted trait. I don't know if he's a star upside or anything, but I do think he has ultimate like glue guy um, upside for this for a winning team. So basically what you would say to Thunder fans is just to relax and let him grow. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> One player that the Thunder fans are not relaxed on whatsoever is Taylor Malton. I, I have been saying that his floor is a really good six man that is crucial to contending teams where he is your backup point guard. He comes off the bench and there's almost, again, almost, almost no drop off from your starter to your backup. And he's able to keep that second unit afloat which really helps you sustain success in the regular season. And then if you have a lot of those guys on your bench, the, when the rotation shortens in the postseason, you're now going down as a drop-off in your eight-man rotation to Tail Maldon versus someone else on a, on a weaker bench. Where are you at with Tail Maldon? Is that his floor? Or, or do you think that his floor is lower than that? And then do you have a, a higher-than-that ceiling for Maldon? Because I think that that's at least a floor for a 19-year-old who's just starting his career. Yeah, I, I think that's a pretty fair floor. You know, everything looks pretty good. Obviously, the last game he's played, he uh, he just – I think he had an 0 for 6 or something like that versus Denver. So, I, I don't know. It's uh, it, it's going to be, obviously, a little bit weird for me to say following that. But I do think that he was underrated in the draft. Uh, we do know that. Obviously, I'm sorry. I'm not trying to let one game get in my way here. But we do know that coming into the draft, he should not have gone in the second round. I never understood that. Um, you know, guys with his size, his vision, his ability to uh, see guys in the pick and roll, be able to shoot. And I've saw defensive upside just because of the size and frame alone. I don't understand how that fell to the second round. That seemed pretty obvious that at the least on his tools, you could bet on him. You know, he was a little bit passive. People used that a lot against him. I know someone that had him number one on his board. So I, I really do think that he has starting caliber playoff on a playoff team, which is probably a top 15 point guard in the league. I like that you threw out there that, that someone had number one on his board. And I want to just make sure that you understand as, as a Mavs fan, uh, when and if Terrell Terry ever gets really good and whenever Terry becomes the second best Terry 
in Mavs history behind Jason <laughs> Terry. I want you to be able to say that, that you know someone who had him in the 2020 draft as his number four prospect, and that someone was me, obviously. Was not happy with the way that he slid on draft night. Now he's in the bubble. We'll see where his NBA career goes. Uh, but I did have him number four on, on my big board. Let's see if that can come true or not. It's, it's looking like he might be behind Josh Jackson as my biggest whiff in NBA draft history, which is why we bring the expert Mavs draft. And, and coming up, <laughs> we're going to talk about this NBA draft, which will be so crucial to the Thunder. Today's episode is brought to you by CBDMD. March is National Sleep Month, and as the official CBD of a good night's sleep, our good friends over at CBDMD want to help you celebrate the right way. They've got dozens of options to help you relax, recharge, and enhance your night's routine. And there's nothing more calming than a nice, hot bath. CBD bath salts fuse superior CBD with a mixture of Epsom, Dead Sea, and Himalayan salts to turn any bath into a luxury spa experience. Choose from lavender or eclipsis scents or a soothing nighttime blend with melatonin and calming herbs. While CBD bath bombs provide a refreshing and relaxing bath experience by combining 100 milligrams of CBD with essential oils, Epsom salts and calming natural senses to help you soak away the day. CBDMD helps me fall asleep. So take advantage today uh, in March for national sleep month and to make it even easier to relax, regroup and recharge. They're offering all of our listeners 25% off your next order. We use promo code NBA at checkout. Once again, that's CBDMD.com promo code NBA for 25% off your purchase of superior CBD products from CBDMD.com promo code NBA at checkout. And we're back on Locked On Thunder, the Locked On Thunder podcast, a part of the Locked On Podcast Network. I'm Rylan Stiles, joined by Richard Stamen, who is also a part of the Locked On Podcast Network with Locked On NBA Draft. And let's talk about the NBA Draft. As March Madness is approaching, obviously, this is the time of year where people start getting into the draft and start becoming the draft experts, even though you do this all year long. And they watch March Madness, they fall in love with the ambiance of players and the and, and the and the charisma of players, and they make big shots here and there, and all of a sudden, this is going to rise them up draft boards. And this is where we start to form opinions on a month stretch instead of what they've done the entire year, right or wrong. That's kind of what fans do. So for March Madness, if you had to pick a couple teams to follow it and truly carve out the time to not watch the highlights, not kind of have them on the fifth screen at Buffalo Wild Wings, but truly watch these teams, who are the teams that people should follow to get the most bang for their buck in terms of NBA draft prospects? Yeah, so I know you said a couple, but I'm going to list three. Uh, so start starts at the top, Gonzaga Bulldogs. You know, they're not going to lose a game till the Final Four at the very earliest. They're that good. I haven't seen a team that's a lock for the Final Four, especially like in the wildness that is the NCAA tournament. But they have eight prospects led by Jalen Suggs, Corey Kispert, Drew Timmy, Joel Ayayi, and you can name so many more. They have an entirely stacked team that some of the guys who don't even play are NBA prospects. It is a deep team. They have probably at least two first round picks in Suggs and uh, Kispert. Then after that, I would say I'm a huge sucker for Villanova. I love Jeremiah Robinson Earl. I think he's the best glue guy in the class. I think he's going to provide a lot of uh, value. And then I'll say Tennessee. They've got two quality lottery prospects probably. And that's Keon Johnson and Jaden Springer. Um, I think those are three teams that you have to watch for. 
you mentioned Tennessee right there. You have to pick one, Johnson or Springer, who you got? So I'm in the minority on this. I think, you know, a lot of people say Jaden Springer because he's younger. Um, I think Keon Johnson's a little bit more, what he brings is more translatable, especially early on in the career. You know, really athletic, hugely effective defender. Not that Jaden Springer isn't. It's just Keon Johnson's defense upside is absolutely out of this world. I really like his shot creation. I buy his jump shot. Not as much as Springer, of course, but overall I just see a really well-rounded two-way player. Uh, and the difference between them is pretty close. So it's not it's not like a big gap. I've been separated by one person in between them on my big board. So, of course, if you want to bring up the draft, you have to talk Cade Cunningham after a season of the regular season's over and we're moving into postseason. Is Cade Cunningham as good as advertised? At the very least, he's yes. I'd say he's probably better than advertised just because – the numbers, a lot of people criticize his numbers. His assist numbers are pretty low. I think he's averaging like three and a half assists or something like that, which assists are a two-way part. It's a two-way stat. The game against Oklahoma on Saturday, they played him twice and they beat him both times. Um, the game against Oklahoma on Saturday, he had one assist, but there were literally on my account, I tweeted a video of this, five assists that had no business, no business not being an assist. One of them was a fast break dunk that just didn't, he got blocked on a fast break dunk because the guy took his time and tried being fancy with it. That's in no way Cade Cunningham's fault. Uh, and on Monday, he went till the eight minute mark in the second half without making a field goal. And he was still dominating the game. So that's just how good he is. I think the college stats just don't do him justice. You know, a lot of it is around the teammates with him. He's going to be a great, great player, especially, I mean, day one. I think that Cade Cunningham, you have to ask the question as Thunder fans are kind of freaking out about winning and losing games and they want to keep Kate Cunningham in Oklahoma so bad. Is he still ungettable via a trade? No matter how many assets the Thunder throw at, at this team, whoever gets the first overall pick, if it's not the Thunder, is he still ungettable if you want to trade for him? I say yes. That's not exactly the answer that Thunder fans wanted to hear, but <laughs> I, I think it's the correct one. I, I don't know how you pass on a guy like Cade Cunningham and kind of just give him up, but I would have said the same thing about Luca entering March Madness. And then all of a sudden you got a couple teams that, that pass on Luca. And, and so we'll see what happens, but I think that you're right. It's going to be Kate Cunningham. And then you just have to move on from there on who the next best players, but who, who is the most underrated talent at the top of the draft? Like, like, yeah, they're getting some recognition, but people are not talking about just how good that, that this player is. Yeah. And obviously it's all relative when you talk top 10, because that's generally where people pay the most attention to. I'd say two guys who I don't see a ton of love for uh, by a lot of mainstream places in the top 10. Uh, I'll start with my number five prospect, James Book Knight from UConn. I, I see a lot of Zach Levine in him, unreal shot creator, crazy handles. He has a bag, complete offensive player all the way through and through. Um, he just needs to add uh, some strength, but he's also a long sleeve hooper if you're into that. So uh, that's also a reason to like him, but He's got, like I said, a lot of Zach Levine, just pure shot creator. And with the year Zach Levine's having, how can you not buy into that? Uh, and then the other guy, I don't see him in a lot of top tens. And I think it's because he just doesn't have a jump shot. Um, that's Scotty Barnes. I think if there was ever a player you're going to compare to Draymond Green, it's him. He's 6'8". He's a lead guard for Florida State. Crazy basketball IQ. He plays free safety pretty much on defense. He can D anybody up. I think he can guard one through five. Um, jump shot is just not there at all right now. 
And frankly, I don't think it needs to be, you know, comparing again, the Draymond uh, kind of similarity, Draymond shooting 22% from three this year, and he's doing just fine. He is a very effective player. If you've seen the Warriors, you know just how valuable he is to that team because he impacts the game everywhere else. And that's what Scotty Barnes does. Um, I don't even know how to label him as a position. Like I have him as a guard, but I don't feel confident in that. Uh, but he can run the offense and again, lock your, the opposing team's best player up. I want to know about BJ Boston, who was in this, you know, high lottery whenever we did this preseason, it was going to be even a top five pick for some people. And now, you know, he's in the lower twenties, you know, 29, 30, even uh, at the lowest. And, and what went wrong for him this year? What, what's kind of been exposed about his game that people just are not in love with anymore with BJ Boston? Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, it's not, it's kind of hard to describe his game because it's just generally he's been bad. I mean, inefficient, he's shooting 36%, 12 points per game, uh, averages the same amount of assists to turnovers and the team isn't good. And it really, it's not all his fault. Like he, it is not entirely on him that that team is bad or anything like that. I don't mean to insinuate that, but they don't have a point guard. It definitely hurts. I don't think the COVID situation helped him at all. Not really being able to, I feel like get a huge rhythm and get a ton of practices in uh, like he would have in a normal year. But every year it feels like there's a high school kid who comes out of the top and just falls completely on their face. And BJ Boston's probably it this year. You know, you saw Cam Reddish a couple years ago who hasn't really done much in the NBA. He's a nice defender, but he just hasn't done anything on offense. And then you have Nico Mannion last year who slipped to 49. It happens. Um you know, BJ Boston's a powerful shot creator who hasn't been able to create his own shot and really can't shoot much. I'm not a big fan of the jump shot, even though the free, the free throw percentage is 81%, still not sure I buy it. So there, there's just some flags all around on his game. I think if you're a team that can afford a swing for the fences at the end of the first, maybe early second, why not? But if you're a team that's actually thinking you're getting a solid core to your young or solid addition to your young core, you're probably looking in the wrong direction. I want to know from an expert and, and at Mavs draft, Richard Stamen locked on NBA draft. Am, am I wrong to be scared of Evan Mobley? Am I, am I doing him a disservice that I am just panicked about the thought of drafting a big man in the top five and, and, and getting a seven footer in the top five, even top three. As some people have number two behind Kid Cunningham. Where are you out on Evan Mobley and where are you out on his value? And should I be scared of that proposition? Now, I wouldn't be scared. I know the feeling of not wanting a big man, especially because, I mean, I had DeAndre Aiden, number one, I thought. And granted, I had him, Bagley, and, and this isn't helping my case, actually. But I had him, Bagley, and Doncic all as, you know, in order. I had Doncic second. I really thought Aiden was just so can't miss that all of them were uh, at the time, I thought. But I, I get the fear of not choosing a big man, especially after that. So I completely understand that. But Evan Mobley, I think, is closer to – I, I can't, I hate that I'm going to say this guy's name because it's way too much. It's not a comparison. And that is far too big of expectations, which is he's more, he's closer to a Kevin Durant type than he is a DeAndre Aiden, where he's a big, I mean, he's just a big dude and he doesn't have a position, you know, he can defend the rim. I think he'll be able to create his own shot uh, pretty effectively. He can score on the move. He just does things. No six eleven seven footer really can do uh, that we've seen. So I would go all in on him. I have him number three. I've seen people with him number two and number one. I don't think you can go wrong by taking him. I don't think there's a chance he busts. Nick Angstead, you heard that. You heard that right there, okay? Social media coordinator, 
NBA coordinator, Nick Angstead. I want you to clip that for me because he just compared a player on the Locked On Thunder podcast. Oh, no. Kevin Durant. Okay. No. If the Thunder draft Kevin Durant in this year's draft and pair him with Shea, the things are going to take off. Stocks are rising in Oklahoma City. You know what? I went from the deathly afraid of Evan Mobley. I'm all in now. I'm all in. Get them one overall pick. I've made a Mobley. grave Forget mistake. Kate Cunningham. Forget <laughs> Kate Cunningham. If you're promising me, and that's what you did, Richard Stayman, NBA draft expert, credentialed NBA draft media member, host of Locked NBA draft, just promised me the guy I'm most afraid of in this class, Evan Mobley, is Kevin Durant. And as a Thunder fan who watched Kevin Durant's prime, I'm on board. I'm sold. We're, we're drafting Evan Mobley. Forget Kate Cunningham. We're now tanking for Evan Mobley. Let's do it. Evan Mobley, Kevin Durant. Thank you very much, Richard. I, I appreciate that endorsement Man, of Evan Mobley. I did not read the room I was in before I said what I had said. Oh, man, what a mistake I've made. <laughs> and then he's going to leave us for the Warriors in six years. It's okay. But wow, <laughs> things got really dark there quickly. One last wow. No, as we enter March Madness, go ahead with Evan Mobley though. We can keep I, I was say, you are Let's keep talking about KD. to anybody. Yeah, if you he's not KD. I mean, he's probably closer to like God. I'm digging a deeper hole as I'm about to say <laughs> this, but I mean, he's probably a, a combo of he has a lot of Lamarcus Aldridge and he has some KD is how I would describe it. But it's just that size creation shooting just unprecedented. Listen, I, I don't want to put this into the universe. Because it would be hell on earth for you if this happened. The Thunder lose the lottery. They don't try to trade up for Cade Cunningham, but they do get the number two overall pick. They draft Evan Mobley. And Evan Mobley reports to camp. And he's donning the number 35. It went from KD to PJ Dozier, now to Evan Mobley. And I pull this clip of Evan Mobley's going to be Kevin Durant. And he's now wearing 35 and you will never be able to live this down no matter how Mobley's career pans out. And look, you could be a hundred percent right. And this could be a victory lap or it could be your version of Josh Jackson, who I thought should have gone number one in his draft. Oh, no. Obviously <laughs> could not have happened. I'm just preparing you right now for if, if they draft Evan Mobley, the feeling will go from KD to EM very quickly. And I will be extremely excited now after I spent this entire year, mind you, Literally up until today saying, I do not want to Mobley at all costs. I will draft anyone else except for a big man. And now I'm all in. I'm, I'm back. I'm back on Evan Mobley. We're getting Kevin Durant. It's official. It's official now. I appreciate you giving that endorsement. I want to stay with college real quick. There's always somebody who steals the heart of America at the NBA, at the, at the March Madness NCAA tournament. I think that starting in the Big Ten tournament with Iowa, moving towards that, it's going to be Luca Garza. Luca Garza will be incredible for the heartland and will just rip the heart and soul out of every 45-year-old who's watching college hoops uh, and taking the day off to watch a full day of, of March Madness. I think Luca Garza will be able to accomplish that and, and have people talk themselves into him being a great player in the NBA. For me, as a non-expert who had Josh Jackson going number one in his class that year, I look at Luca Garza. And I see a second-round talent who might have an NBA career but probably doesn't if I had to bet right now. If I was putting money on it, I would say he's not a legitimate contributor at the NBA level. But where are you at who's watched way more Luka Garza film than I have? Yeah, so I do think that he has a spot in the NBA. You know, unbelievably hard worker from anyone who – I know people who have worked with him, talked with him, and 
all he, he lives and breathes basketball. He wants to get better every single day. It's why he's going to be player of the year uh, in the NCAA. His game has a lot of shades of Nikola Vucevic. He probably won't ever be that caliber of a player, an all-star, you know, two-time all-star. But someone who's a, a great post-minded offensive scorer, he can stretch the floor a little bit right now to the mid-range, uh, but cannot play defense. You know, you put him in a pick and roll, it's kind of toast. I think that there's a coach out there that could definitely get the most out of him. I want him in Dallas personally, because I think Carlisle is the guy to do it. Um, not also because his name is Luca and it would be awesome to have all the Lucas in the state of Texas. But I do think that Carlisle could get a lot out of him because he's done it in the past where he's made terrible defenders with great offenses look like G like just the best players in the league. Like Brandon Wright is a prime example. Could not play defense to save his life, but he had the efficiency of Wilt Chamberlain. So and that's no exaggeration. And that's a that's a very cherry pick stat, but he did have the PER of Will Chamberlain. <laughs> so coming up, I want to transition into the Ignite players and then preview tonight's game against the Dallas Mavericks with Mavs draft. We are back on Locked On Thunder on the table with friends over at Built Bar. Go to builtbar.com and use promo code Locked On20 to get 20% off your next order. Builtbar.com, promo code Locked On20. 20% off your next order. They have amazing flavors over at BuiltBar.com. It's a promo. It's a protein bar that tastes just like a candy bar with six new flavors, caramel brownie, cookies and cream, cherry barcia, lemon almond cheesecake, carrot cake, and apple almond crisp to go with their 12 original flavors. Of that original flavor box, my favorite is the banana bread. It tastes phenomenal, just like banana bread. These things are incredible, covered on 100% real chocolate on the outside. They're soft and easy to chew. They're a great health-conscious person to lose or maintain weight while indulging in a delicious treat. The Bilt Bars are low-calorie, low-sugar, high-protein, high-fiber. Great for the keto diet. Try them out today at BuiltBar.com. Promo code LOCKEDON20 to get 20% off your next order. Promo code LOCKEDON20 to get 20% off your next order at BuiltBar.com. Try them out today. Let me know your favorite flavor, flavors of Built Bar on Twitter at Ryland underscore Styles. Because, again, I highly recommend cookies and cream, and I highly recommend banana bread whenever you go over to BuiltBar.com. And when you go there and place your order at BuiltBar.com, Use promo code LOCKEDON20. You will receive 20% off your next order at BuiltBar.com. I also want to tell you about your friends over at BetOnline.ag. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Football, football might be over, but the NBA, college basketball, and NHL are in full swing. BetOnline even covers awards, TV shows, and reality TV. Real-time updated odds and props on almost anything that you can imagine. BetOnline has you covered for all the news, scores, and odds. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late-season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up-to-date. Locked On NBA. Available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. It's the best place to place your bets. It's free to sign up. Head on over to the website or use your mobile device today to sign up for free. And whenever you do, use promo code Locked On for a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit at betonline.ag. Betonline, your online sportbook experts. We're back on the Locked On Thunder podcast. On the Locked On Podcast Network, wrapping up with Richard Stamen of Locked on NBA draft and at Mavs draft on Twitter. First of all, the Ignite team is wrapping up their regular season in the bubble. And where do you land with the Ignite players? Who's number one between Kaminga and Green? And has there been a surprise prospect in your mind in this regular season in the bubble? 
Yeah, so I have Kuminga overall number three on my board. I have him as the number one G League Ignite prospect. Just because that jumbo combo forward, I think he's about 6'7". He's listed at 6'6", but there's no way he's 6'6", because that's Jalen Green's height as well. Um, so, And they're pretty noticeably different in height. That jumbo combo forward just does a lot. On, I, I think you can't really miss on that. His jump shot is kind of a potential. Could it be a fatal flaw? Uh, just because he hasn't been able to shoot in volume yet. And, and I do think that'll be something that comes in time. Just right now, you know, he has a lot of bad misses on that. Um, number two, I have Jalen Green, best athlete in the class. For him, and, and he's got a nice jump shot too. For him, though, uh, I need to see his ball handling improve and just defense overall. It is hard to say that his defense is bad because literally nobody plays defense until the final two minutes of the G League, especially in the regular season. So that's a little bit different. But in high school, I think he had the reputation of not being a great defender. So he needs to add strength to the, that's not going to be early showing for him, but the sleeper I have, I have Isaiah Todd, who is a six ten. He can put the ball on the floor. He's a forward. Um, he's able to, you know, create his own shot a little bit, shoot from mid range and three. And also is just has the athleticism. He's a great athlete. So that combo of shooting size and athleticism just doesn't come along much. Uh, and I think that he's worth watching. So previewing tonight's Dallas game, what is the feeling around Dallas right now? And what is the feeling entering this game of against specifically Oklahoma City? What kind of matchups are you looking forward to watch tonight? And what kind of areas do you expect Dallas to struggle and succeed in tonight against Oklahoma City? Yeah, so naturally Dallas has this thing recently over the last month where if you are in a slump uh, as a player, you will snap out of it. Kelly Oubre was the worst shooter in the league and he turned everything on a few weeks ago. He hasn't turned back. So I'm expecting two guys that'll just absolutely light up the Mavs, one on one end of the floor and the other on the other end. But I have Teo Maladon as the offensive explosion, you know, had the zero point game against, uh, I think it was zero against Denver. I know he didn't make a shot. Um, I, I really expect Teo just to have a huge game against the Mavs backcourt defense. And if he needs to get to the rim, he's got it. SGA will have a nice game just naturally because he is who he is. And the Mavs, again, I think they have the 28th ranked defense over the last month. So not a good combo there. But on the other end, I was going to say is uh, is Al Horford, I really do think will destroy the Mavs in a potential audition uh, for them. I'd really like to see him in a Dallas uniform. But he's going to give Porzingis a lot of trouble, even though Porzingis has been hot. I think that the biggest concern for me with this game is Getting into a track meet is not really how Oklahoma City wins games. I, I don't know if they can score with Dallas. On the other hand, Dallas has not played very good defense, so that could open up some you know, ability to score for the Thunder. And I think that the biggest kind of bonus for me for Oklahoma City, or, or the thing I'm most confident in, is that after these days off, Oklahoma City's going to come out guns a blazing. They're going to be fired up. They're going to have energy and effort. And if you don't match that, that's when the Thunder can pull off these upsets. And Rick Carlisle will talk about that after the game for the Mavericks on Monday about how this Oklahoma City game is a trap game because they're going to play you very hard. They're, they're always going to show you a, a good time, so to say. They're always going to show you uh, entertainment for the fans, and they're going to give 110% effort every night. And most NBA teams don't do that. And I think that you can catch Dallas slipping a little bit in that regard. Uh, I think it'll be fun to watch Shea and Luka because if, if Shea can break out and beat Luka – you thought the Trey Young slander was bad from Thunder fans. Wait till you hear the Luka Doncic slander from fans. I mean, it, it started a little bit. I'll take credit for it a little bit. I'll, I'll take the blame. Yesterday, Maxi 
he said that, you know, yeah, I messed up Luca's triple double. And I said, can you imagine if a Russell Westbrook teammate said that about, about Russ, if a Russell Westbrook teammate said, yeah, I messed up his triple double, the, the internet would have exploded. But with Luca and Maxi, it's like, oh, look at those two, look at those two knuckleheads. They're having a great time over there. They would have crucified Russell Westbrook if one of his teammates willingly said that. I I, I started the center a little tiny bit, but I love Luca. I think he's one of the best players in the NBA already at his age, and I cannot wait to see how he progresses. You mentioned something very interesting on a hit on the way out. Al Horford and the deadline. For me, I've been saying from the outside again, I love the fit of George Hill with Dallas. You mentioned Al Horford there. Do you think that it's possible to even move Al Horford with that contract in season? And how do you feel about George Hill as well? Yeah, so it's hard to say with George Hill since it's been a long time uh, since I've seen him even play. He's been out, hasn't he? Or he was out? Yeah, he's been out with a thumb injury, thumb surgery. Yeah. Yeah, and and I liked what he was doing at the beginning of the season. I don't know how sustainable it was. Um, he is an option. I know I've seen a lot of Mavs fans want him. The thing with Al Horford is, and I have to look up his contract to, to double check that it is what it is before I say what it is, but I think it's he's actually easier to move than people think because he becomes an expiring um, after next season. So what you do, you eat the money, I think for a team like Dallas, especially who has no intentions to anymore really spend big in this mediocre free agency class coming up. What was once, you know, the free agency class of a lifetime, not only do you take the money for this year, um, they're able to, I mean, there's really no issue on that. I think he's an immediate help. The interior defense and defense as a whole has just been terrible. Um, and he becomes an expiring by 2022. He's in his last year as the 2022-23 guy where you can move him again before the 2022 free agency where it's going to be a lot deeper than this year. Uh, so far, it's always hard to tell this early, but um, I think that way you can kind of pull some cap magic where he only eats you up for one and a half years. Uh, so that's why I like him in Dallas. I think some teams could easily pull that off because expiring contracts are very valuable. And I know that was a lot. That was a mouthful. But I do think that he still has value and being an expiring contract also has value, even if the contract itself is pretty ugly. And it's a declining one too. So again, sorry, mouthful, but there is potential to move him. Yes. <laughs> See, I think that what gives me hope to move him is, is because you mentioned all the, all the cat match you can pull off, but just looking at him as a player and that what, what's helped him out is that the, the free agency classes you mentioned has dwindled greatly. But if I could just stick the player out, Horford, forget the numbers attached to him contract-wise, just the player out, Horford, on contending teams, they get a lot better. Boston gets a lot better. Uh, Dallas would get a lot better. All these contending teams, if you could just have the player out, Horford, they get better. And he's already turned that image around in half a year in Oklahoma City. It was clearly a Philly problem and not an Al Horford problem last year with, with Al Horford. I, I have confidence that, that they can move him at least in the offseason – during the season, I think it gets a little tricky to, to move that contract, but you provided some great insight and some great hope that it can happen. And if worse comes to worse and he stays in Oklahoma City, I still think that's going to be fun too. He's been a great leader for Oklahoma City and a great just player for Oklahoma City. But I would love to see him on a contending team because I, I just feel so bad about the slander he got in Philadelphia. I mean, the fans were ruthless on him. His family has talked about that before. And the media, I mean, just the, the outcry of how washed up he is, was ruthless on him too. And, I, and again, I think that was just a Philadelphia and, and, a, and a fit problem, not necessarily a talent level problem without Horford. So I, I think that Dallas is a great landing spot. I've been talking all about George Hill, but you kind of brought attention there that is also a great landing spot for Al Horford. I'm excited now about 
this entire podcast. First, we had the Evan Mobley, Kevin Durant thing. Now we've got the Al Horford to Dallas thing. You know what? Let's just do George Hill, Al Horford for KP. Who says no? <laughs> hey, you know, there, there are actually a lot of Mavs fans that would do that in a heart. And I'm not even joking. They, which is crazy because this is Porzingis' best offensive season, like stretch right now, not even the best offensive season. But he's been really good on offense. He's just been off on defense. <laughs> you know what? You're going to trade for KP, going to draft Kevin Durant, and then this rebuild is over and set in a year's time. <laughs> going to be a very exciting time for the city. But Richard, this has been awesome. Let them know where they can find you on Twitter and your new show, Locked on NBA Draft. Yeah, I'm at Mavs Draft. Uh, and again, if you like NBA Draft content, I am one of the hosts on the NBA Draft, uh, Locked on NBA Draft show. There's three of us, three separate hosts and I mean, I, I really am excited for the entire network to to see the draft potential that we have. It's going to be a fun show, a fun ride. This is a little taste of what you're going to get from Richard's podcast on Locked On NBA Draft Podcast. Go check them out on the Locked On Podcast Network. For Richard Stamen, I'm Rylan Styles. Be good and be good to one another. We'll see you next time on Locked On Thunder. Again, I want to apologize for the audio issue, but I do think we had great content here with myself and Richard Stamen talking about the NBA draft and not about the current NBA landscape. I really appreciate all of you stuck out to this point in the, in the episode. Not only was it incredibly long, uh, longer than you're used to, but also the audio quality on my end was not as good as it should have been. I do apologize, but again, be good and be good to one another. We'll see you next time on Locks on Thunder. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.